0: Duncan McLeod, editor of Tech Central. I'm really excited now because we're introducing a brand new podcast uh, series on Tech Central and it's called Everything PC. I think the name says it all. We're going to take a deep dive and sometimes quite technical dive into the world of computing. Uh, We're planning to do several series of this podcast um, and the show is really aimed at computer enthusiasts, those who work in the industry and And geeks everywhere, but we'll we'll have a bit of a South African slant to it as well. Um, My collaborator in this new venture is Gerard Pretorius, uh, who lives and breathes this stuff. Um, In fact, Gerard knows a terrifying amount about computers, and I always love chatting Mm -hmm. to him when I get the opportunity. So it gives me great pleasure now to to welcome Gerard to the podcast. How are you doing today? All good. Fantastic. and Great. Mm -hmm. Are you excited to... Excited as me about doing this podcast, Howard. Yes. Now this is very new to me as well. So there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. Um, uh, as you know, there's <laughs> so much going on in this industry, and uh, oh, so yes. much exi- so much exciting stuff that is really going to change the face of computing in the coming years. Yes. And we're going to we're going to delve into all of that uh, in in this mm. podcast. And in fact, this first series in the in the podcast is really going to focus on. The semiconductor industry and all the exciting stuff that's happening in the world of chips and there is a heck of a lot going on. If you've been following the news about supply shortages and and uh, uh, the troubles in, in Taiwan with the electricity supply and, and the battles between AMD and Intel and looking at where NVIDIA and uh, with the NVIDIA attempt to buy ARM it, that was not successful and, and what that was all about and AMD's acquisition recently of Xilinx, there was a heck of a lot happening and a heck of a lot to unpack. So uh, I think a series of uh, um, uh, podcasts is is, uh, is, uh, is needed to do this space justice, and there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. So if you're anywhere interested in computers, anywhere interested in PCs, Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this uh, discussion. So uh, do subscribe to our podcast. We'll push this out at least the first few episodes through Tech Central's uh, podcast channel, but uh, Everything PC will have its own uh, podcast uh, home on the various platforms, so you'll be able to subscribe to us uh, in your favorite podcasting app like Spotify, like Google Podcasts, whenever you happen to choose, Pocket Cast is a favorite of mine. Um, and, of course, you'll also be able to find this podcast on YouTube, and we will be sharing up some screens occasionally. Uh, so um, if you uh, if you feel like you're missing out, you're listening to just an audio, you can always catch up later on the video version uh, to see what's happening and uh, to see our two ugly mugs as well. And I'm sure uh, we, we're at risk of breaking the Internet by doing this podcast in the first place when you say that <laughs> All right, so Khalid, um, you, you uh, your day job is uh, working for a company called Computers Only. They're based in uh, Midrand, great little computer retailer and uh, specialist computer shop. And um, I've been popping in there for for years now, and always enjoy yes. having a, a discussion with you about what's happening in the computer industry. And I was fascinated with your insights into what's going on. The amount you know about computers and uh, and everything in the industry f- for that matter is is is, is actually quite awe inspiring. So we were having a discussion recently. And we said, well, why don't we turn this into a podcast? Um, and have a have a deep dive into some of these uh, some of these areas, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this as much as I am. So, uh, yes. let's, uh, let's get the let's get the conversation started. So, we're probably going to do about five or six episodes uh, in the first season of this podcast. As I said, we're going to focus on the semiconductor space, and we're going to start our discussion Gerard, with a uh, with a very interesting company, uh, which perhaps which deserves a bit more attention. Than it's been getting in the media and uh, yes. that is a company called advanced micro devices now um i've obviously heard the name amd for many years they're big in the well, they have been bigish i should say in the chip industry certainly not the chip goliath that intel is yep. but that's really starting to been starting to change in the last few years um and they've been doing some really interesting stuff and making some really interesting acquisitions and Gerard, i know you are very interested in in and watching this company very closely because they're doing a lot of interesting things. And in fact, their market valuation, they are both listed in, in the U.S., of course, both Intel and AMD. Uh, AMD's market cap overtook Intel's for the first time recently. Um, I think it was earlier this year. I think it might have slipped back uh, slightly since then. But incredible that uh, AMD, which has always been seen as the challenger to Intel, uh, actually overtook Chipzilla recently in terms of market value. Maybe as a, an opening question, uh, wh- what is AMD doing right? Why is their market value soaring, um, and wh- why should we be watching this company more closely than perhaps we are?
1: Well, AMD did the thing that Intel didn't do yep. in spending money in R and D and getting the right people in the right position so that they can innovate in areas where they can outcompete their competitors. So if you were a small company, so I think when originally when the restructure happened with AMD, so this is now after the whole debacle with all those architectures completely failing and the company was just one dollar for share. So they then you could see restructure the whole company, get the right people in the right position, hire would they need to hire. And basically from that, you can see from when they started with Ryzen 1, then Ryzen 2. So you can see there's a very iterative company. So yeah. they go from Ryzen 1, 2, 3, and they build up, and each build up, Adds a new layer of complexity. Adds, 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 and then just skyrockets from there. And then Intel just went, let's just recycle, redo. Innovation wasn't really pushed because mm. Intel got complacent. No so one what were they doing with them?
0: What were they doing with Ryzen, particularly that 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 was so good compared to the Intel architecture? Well, if we go to Ryzen One, so yeah. the first thing
1: then that's now first AMD thing that came out that was made by Global Foundries, they the foundry partner, and then AMD made two four core clusters meeting one with one another. So now, because in those days that was the best consumers CPUs were all quad cores. So right it's now, six gen, seven gen, all quad cores so getting more calls, it's not as easy as people think it was to do. You can't just go simply add more calls and there we go. So now AMD first did that, I think, by figuring out how to get more calls to call to talk to one another. So okay. innovating that bridge that can get low latency or as low latency as you can to get that work done. So you can see that's then 1, then 2, or 1 and a half, was just the interval base from there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you can see immediately the innovation was for the size, the amount of, like, they could get eight cores, four, yeah. just that tiny bit bigger than Intel's four cores. So it's like, whoa. How can AMD like make this eight cores cheaper than your quad cores? How yeah. does that work? So then that's now already shows sure. even though the AMD was at a heavy disadvantage because AMD was using global foundries, basically their fabrication, which was a good year to probably four years behind Intel. Okay. Intel was at now, currently running at, um, I think that was now, that was, when was, that was now on the, I think 40 nanometer. Okay. Or was that the, so AMD was on 12 nanometer from Global Foundries, which was pretty terrible. It, right. It's good for Global Foundries, but compared to what Intel had, it was just not sufficient. So the fact that AMD can make a architecture in an inferior node and still mm. compete with Intel I think, should have been a wake-up call to Intel already.
0: Yeah.
1: So they were just... This was was years ago already. So this is now like Intel says, sweet, we're still the best in single core. -core Multi-core AMD beats us because it's four cores versus eight. So of course they're going to win, but we still win single core, So for gaming, Intel was still the game thing to go for and all those things. But that should have already set alarm bells on saying, how can AMD just pure due to design compete with you? Mm-hmm. So now when AMD had the opportunity to go to Taiwan semi-construction to get their chips made, then we all saw with, that's now when the third generation came out. okay, now we talk, talking
0: about, We're talking about TSMC, which is the big chip maker in Taiwan. Yeah.
1: So now yeah. when AMD started making chips with them or getting them yeah. to fab it, yeah, then all of a sudden the game changed very quickly mm-hmm. because now AMD had a superior core architecture in my opinion in terms of compared to what intel offered Mm -hmm. and now they actually had a node to basically show its actual strengths to put it through
0: Yeah, yeah so now and of course intel uh, through, throughout this period has invested very heavily in, in these big fabrication plants or fabs it no. cost billions of dollars to build no, but amd that, uh, I, I know amd during its history has built fabrication plants but it it isn't it hasn't built its own fabrication plants to build these Ryzen yeah. price and no. processes right so this they're all outsourced
1: the, yeah the, this is yeah. the dark days of amd when amd had to sell all of those things off because they didn't have enough money <laughs> right so that's what like that's why it's for the advantage as well, because mm. having your own fab company costs a lot of money to do. Mm. So there's, for a small company like AMD and for most other companies, most other companies don't have the money. Uh, this is how difficult it is. Not even Apple can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's how big and expensive it is. So now, this is also where Intel kind of got themselves in a bit of a pickle because because they thought they were so big and dominating. Yeah they kind of didn't spend enough money in making f- fabrication plants and spending enough time to mature and improve it because that's mm-hmm. how now their competitors have picked up now. So you can see mm-hmm. with TSMC how they catched up yes. because Intel but, just sit back and yeah. now they're in a second position still.
0: Right. So so let's go back to brass tacks here and just m- maybe for, for uh, some of the yep. listeners or viewers of this podcast who are not as technically savvy as, as you or Ian, um, yes. okay. uh, um, so th- so these chips are, have, have process nodes or, or manufacturing nodes that are based on the um, die size or the, 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 the space between the, the integrated circuits actually printed on these chips. Um, and the smaller the, the, that, um, the, that size, or in, measured in nanometers, the less power these chips consume and the more powerful they are. Is that, am I summarizing that correctly? And well, AMD has, has gone past Intel in, in, in that manufacturing design?
1: Well, okay, so the main benefit there is with TSMC. So they have, let me quickly see if I can share this quickly. Share, share window, share, share this. So this is straight from their website. So let me zoom in there as well so that everyone can see. So with fabrication, you get a, it's a, Advantage of density mainly, so putting more chips closer or more transistors closer to one another, mm-hmm. so that you can have if you had a big chip like this, you can make it 30% smaller, mm-hmm. and then hopefully also have more performance or something like that, even going for so not necessarily getting a lot more performance, but basically getting the same month performance in a smaller chip. Now, the advantage and of that it's is that. To that, it would depend, not always, it's not mm-hmm. always a given, but in most circumstances, there is some power efficiencies because now there's less, the the actual electrons have a shorter way path to travel. So they'll right. use less energy. But again, now, if you're a GPU man- manufacturer or a CPU manufacturer, you can always keep the same size and just add more transistors, getting more even more performance. Mm-hmm. And then you still kind of use the same use amount of power. Sometimes you can save power. But the problem is now you're getting 30-40% more performance out of the similar size that your previous one. Mm. So that's the advantage there. So now, with AMD now having an advantage with now when they went to 7 nanometer, Intel's 14 nanometer was not really that capable to compete with 7 nanometer. Intel's new current 10 nanometer can compete with 7 nanometer. That's how far behind Intel is. Because Mm. 10 nanometer only really started with 12th gen.
0: And it's incredibly difficult to do this, right? I mean, to go from 10 nanometer to 7 nanometer, it's a very expensive and technically challenging thing to do.
1: Yeah, this is multiple. You're spending in the tens of billions in Mm -hmm. a fab factory. And that's, Mm -hmm. you first have to build it, which is they finicky as hell, EUV, shielding, all those type of things. You have to build it. You need a lot of water. You need a lot of electricity. You need to buy Basically, EUV machines now that they use from the stuff. So, that you need to get from ASML, from all the way over from Europe and so forth, that you have to bring in yeah. transport costs. Which, so of course, is adds. a very
0: interesting company itself, ASML, but we're going to get to that yes. in a future no, podcast. We'll, we'll,
1: we'll maybe have the separate episode for them and so forth. Yeah. But now, so the key advantage that TSMC did is they kind of went and said, This is our thing. We yeah. are going to make, we are fabrication is our job. So they went all hawking it, and that shows you how they beat Intel because Intel was the guy. Yeah. Intel was yeah. the guy that made for decades. Yes, like, and they outcompete IBM, they killed everyone else in the whole field. Mm. Like, we are the best, no one can beat us. And then, mm. yeah, in the 2010s, everything kind of went a bit. That's what happens when you have an accountant running a business and not an engineer (laughs) 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 is they don't know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to engineering. With the numbers, they're great. They made a stupid amount of profits in those years because they didn't spend any money. Now, unfortunately, they're in a position where Pat has to go and spend a lot of money to make up for all those times they've lost. And making up for time lost with money is a massively expensive affair. Yeah.
0: And, of course, Intel went through a whole series of, of CEOs, after Andy Grove left, um, the, yeah. the, the the turnover was was very high. But we, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna delve into Intel in, yeah. a, in a in a in another episode. Um, so so AMD has has outsourced its chip man, chip manufacturing to to TSMC, as many other companies have around the world. Of course, um, uh, Samsung is another big player in that uh, in yes. that sort of chip contract manufacturing market, and even Intel has said now that it's going to. It's going to get into that space as well and compete with T. S. Try and compete with TSMC, but uh, so so was it a key competitive differentiator the fact that AMD does not own its own fabrication plants?
1: Yes, it's a lot cheaper. Cheaper. So okay. It is cheaper in a sense because because the problem is now you don't have to go and run multiple things. If you one big company running everything and having an eye on everything is a lot of effort. As a CEO, you need to be like really good to have all your chickens checked and accounted for. Right. And make sure they're all hatching properly and they all have laying eggs properly and all those things. So that's the problem that happened with Intel's because they didn't have someone there to run that. AMD could come up and go to different companies. And because Intel kind of lacks off, their engineering staff just went, goodbye. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they went, they went, Apple took a lot of them, AMD took a lot. TSMC took a lot of the in- engineers as well. That was the bad times mm-hmm. of Intel where they lost lost a lot of their yeah. high-end talent, they just lost to yeah. the, and to the yeah. benefit to everyone else basically. So they all gained, Apple gained massively. Yeah. So with AMD using now, because the advantage now that TSMC took with that is it now enables them to invest that money in other areas. So mm-hmm. now we've got them f- focusing in like how to do chiplets, how to make different like layers, like 3D stacking and so forth. So that gives AMD a lot of huge advantage and also with them working with them. So that's the advantage yeah. as well with uh, working with AMD is AMD tends to be a, a high innovator, pusher. Mm. So mm. when you look at GDDR, GDDR came to existence because AMD and Samsung went and said, we need to make a memory type has higher bandwidth because normal DDR won't cut it. Which is kind of sad that AMD did that and not Intel because Intel's the guy yeah. that made DDR. It's like, right. why didn't he But the problem is Intel didn't do GPUs. So mm-hmm. for them it's like, why would you need that? We don't need bandwidth, our CPUs are fine. Low latency memory, just buy more RAM. What's the problem? And of course, so Intel
0: is now very belatedly getting into the GPU game itself.
1: Exactly, so that's a story on its own, but yeah. that's now the sad thing, so then AMD Especially if you go to the past as well. AMD pioneered integrated memory controllers as well. So mm-hmm. I think AMD's, pro- IBM was probably the first people to do it, but AMD also did it as well, and integrating yeah. more on the CPU. So AMD, very early on, learned we need to try and get as much stuff on the CPU as possible. Right. Get USB on there. Still to this day, if you buy an AMD laptop, mm-hmm. like the one I got you, you don't have a chipset. It's The CPU has everything. The USB controllers are on there. Everything is on. With Intel, still, to this day, you still need a chipset. Mm. The CPU cannot function on its own without a chipset.
0: Mm. Are there there disadvantages to doing it the way AMD has done it? Not really. Because
1: your main advantage with it, having it on one chip, means power. You don't have to make a separate chip that you have to purchase to put on. That's why AMD laptops cost less money to the laptop vendors. It's because... You don't need to just buy the CPU with Intel, you need to buy the chipset as well. So that's an extra $10 per unit that you're paying just for the chipset. Again, I don't know the pricing, I'm just guessing. I would assume it's like $10 including licensing and all those things. But no matter what you do, then you still need to go in PCB, the PCB gets more complex, now you have to buy extra parts to power it, so now you need to either use a bigger battery to power that thing because that thing still needs 10 watts or something to run. So that's yeah. why AMD is also leading now with power efficiency versus Intel. It's because mm-hmm. with e- each Intel chip, you need a chipset and that uses power. So on laptops, if you can save five watt, mm. excellent. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's where you can is one area we can see now where AMD, because AMD went so aggressive with power efficiency, yep. it paid off with the laptops because if we now use the sixth generation AMD APUs that are now coming out, they're more power efficient than the Intel ones. Mm-hmm. Even and though Intel,
0: Intel, that's actually a problem for Intel now, isn't it? I mean, if you yeah. look at the new Apple computers, because they've, they've also taken a similar approach to AMD, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and yes. they're getting incredible battery life out of those M1 chips that, they, that they've produced.
1: Intel's advantage there is starting to move more stuff on a single chip. So we can see more companies do that as well. So Nvidia's also done the same way. They've got their AI accelerators now built onto the graphics card and so forth. So moving everything from... Having it dislodged, which was the traditional idea of moving stuff, is moving into that chiplet architecture. Having Mm -hmm. one thing to do it, and then on that chip, you've got multiple facets. That then now leads to chiplets that that AMD kind of pioneered with Zen, with the third generation AMD chips that came out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was the first mass-produced chiplet we've ever seen. Okay, well so, let's,
0: let's, let's, let's back up just a, a couple of steps here. You've, you've, you've introduced this new term of chiplets, which uh, I'm not yeah. particularly familiar with. What exactly is a chiplet and why is it important in CPU okay. design?
1: So most people will hear two phrases, chiplets, and yeah. they will hear tiles. So now tiles. Intel prefers tiles because somehow it's, they, they see it as you've got, here's two things and they're going close together, so that's a tile, like you would see tiles in your kitchen or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's tiles. AMD's chiplets approach is just having more chips on the same PCB. Mm -hmm. So they're not physically attached in terms of that there's an interposer that actually meets them. It's just here's a chip on one one part of the PCB and here's another chip on the other side of the PCB and connecting to it. Mm -hmm. Now the thing that most people got astonished is AMD got it working and the performance was surprisingly good. Like so bad that intel first had to like a kind of dish that saying oh oh you gluing chips together it's like well dude it works yeah and i can promise you that if intel engineered this they would have done exactly the same thing that amd did because it's way cheaper to do and for density it means you can scale all the way up you can see how amd basically completely
0: dominated intel with server. So it's cheaper with, because your chips are smaller and so there's less uh, yeah. chance of, it's just simply cheaper to make because there's less. Yes,
1: it's, one, there is a bit of a yield efficiency with it, not necessarily because mm-hmm. now you've got a wafer and you can have so many chips on a wafer. So you still yep. need to make a very compact chip design to make it on fit and chiplet. But right. the advantage of it is you can then, like what AMD's done is the IO die that has the USB, the PCI Express, all the things that doesn't really scale that well with going smaller. You can take those parts, remove them, and put the more the, the part of the CPU that will benefit the most from having a smaller node to it, you can use that to mass produce. Mm-hmm. Because newer nodes are more expensive, so if you can make it smaller, meaning that you can make more of them so that your cost to manufacture one is less. Mm-hmm. So you've got a 200 mil, 200 millimeter square disc that you manufacture on the more chips you can make out of one of those things the more money you make mm-hmm. that's our idea so if you can have if you've got 58 core cpus on those things it's easier then to take two of them put them on a 16 core cpu and there you go because you your will pay when you pay when you go and you pay tsmc you pay per wafer you don't mm-hmm. pay per chip so the more chips you can make out of that thing, the more money you make. So right. that's the first advantage of having It's, it's kind of like a,
0: you're putting a jigsaw puzzle together in a way.
1: Yes, it is kind of like that as well. It's basically yeah. just finding what is the most efficient path to get most cost effectiveness out of it.
0: Yeah, of course, of so course that's what, this is a lot more complicated than putting a jigsaw puzzle together because you're aligning highly complex, well, very tiny integrated circuitry. That's not...
1: Uh, it's yeah? surprisingly not... Yes, it is difficult, but it's not that difficult. Okay. Because you're literally just taking one chip here and you're putting another chip there. When we get to interposers and so forth, that becomes a lot more complex. And when you now stack what is in an, what, memory... What, what, what is an interposer? So interposer is when you have the PCB, then you've got yeah. another layer, and then you put your chip, your chips on top of that. So that interposer becomes like a bridge, mm-hmm. like a super quick bridge between the two. So we saw a mass adoption of interposers with the first Vega chips from AMD with the graphics mm-hmm. cards with HBM. For that, you need an interposer because the bandwidth normal PCB traces cannot have, in, don't have enough connections to do that. Okay, that's why you can't really do what AMD does now with CPUs and do that with GPUs. It, mm-hmm. It's just going to be too slow. It's that's why AMD somehow found a way to do this again how the engineers figured this out to get the triplet working without having massive latencies and so forth is where the genius comes out from AMD. Mm-hmm. And that's how you how they beat Intel is they just completely out-engineered them. In, mm-hmm. And like, here they were playing chess, AMD went, flipped the chess board, and now we're playing checkers and completely <laughs> changed the game. Now Intel needs to now, because Intel also is going to now tiles and chiplets, but Intel still has a lot of catch-up work to do before they can get there. So we can see now AMD's already done multiple years of chiplets, Mm. we've seen them now with with the new Instinct card they launched. That was the first, literally two GPUs that they've now connected to one another. So they've already done, so they've already done that. So I'll share it here, I think here quickly so that people can see.
0: Uh, so okay, chiplets, so. uh, chiplets—they're—they're they're years ahead of Intel, would you say?
1: Yes. Now they are good. In terms of, I think even with most companies, they are probably a good two, two to three years ahead of most people now, because Intel will probably have. They will, Intel will. When I think saying when, when I say three years, I'm talking about stuff that can be mass produced and sold. Mm-hmm. So most of these companies have stuff in company where they can say, no, we can't do this, but it's not a product you can buy from them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's when I thought it was like, this is how far these guys are. We'll see. I think Apple will probably launch multiple dice, which they've already now announced that they're doing. It's yes, the yes, already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is basically two of their chips that are bridging with one another, using, funny enough, TSMC's bridging technology. It's not Apple's okay. bridging technology, people. This is, they're using another company's intellectual property to do that, not their okay. own. <laughs> Interesting. So AMD is also using that with this radio instinct. So you can literally see here when you actually, I'll zoom in here so that you can see it. There. Yeah. So there's the actual two, two dies, and then in there is the actual interconnect that connects with one another. Okay. I would assume each company has their own implementation of it, same as Apple. Whenever NVIDIA does theirs, theirs will be different, and whenever Intel does theirs, they will do theirs as well. But the problem is now, if you Intel, you can't just go to TSMC and tell them, we would like your bridging technology, mm-hmm. because they will just go, no. <laughs> <laughs> they won't allow them to take that, because they know that's a big advantage to them as a company. So Intel has to now figure that stuff out. So that's yeah. why the people, they have to go, like, basically using the tail system that they have currently because they don't have any other way to do that yet.
0: And so do these so, interposes or bridges between these chiplets, uh, is there, does that add any limitation to the, to the system? No, not I mean, does really. It, not really. It's actually... Ultra fast. The, the,
1: the only real... Basically cost. It costs more money
0: mm-hmm.
1: because now you have to make another chip that you have to put underneath and then are these chips on top of them. And the problem is when you put another chip on... A chip, a chip on a chip, there is a failure, rate. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: So you might have an excellent 8 chip, and now as soon as you put it on that interposer, it bombed out. Now yeah. you have to take yeah. that, and goodbye, you've lost all of that. So there is a bit of a cost involved with that, but the performance benefits you get from it is now at a point where you can say, go. Mm-hmm. So that's why most of the stuff we see now here are using bridges. So when you look at this picture here and so forth, yeah, you can see there this, that section there has its own interposer. So you'll see in between there, there's that gray area. So these are yes. the HPM modules that sit there that feed now into the actual GPU. This side will also have its own one. So the advantage now of having it like that, where you've got two chips now separate from one another, mm-hmm. is if you want to make something monolithic, your chance of failure rate is much higher. Mm-hmm. Because now it's this massive thing, and again, to make one massive chip on that on, on your little two hundred millimeter die uh yeah. wafer, yeah. is a lot more space that you're eating up on. It. So, then now by making it now chiplet like this, you can now cheat the system kinda and without heavy penalties. Again, monolithic will always be better. The problem is it's not always feasible to do it in a mass yeah. producible way. Yeah, not cheaply anyway. Yeah. So, again, it depends on Intel's already starting to sell stuff to people where they have monolithic CPUs and so forth. The problem is you're paying easily in the hundreds of thousands per chip. And that's not something that you can mass produce and sell because it's a very selective, high-performance compute client people that will buy that.
0: Now, you mentioned um, 3D stacking. What is that exactly? And what, so, what is AMD doing in that area? So, 3D
1: stacking, let me check and see here. Let me just stop sharing here quickly. Um, I sure. actually want to show something here that can give you guys. So, this is from, it shows you how old this stuff is already. Um, so, this is from Anantech, Extreme Tech, did a nice to write up from this. So, when you do stacking with stuff, it's very similar to what we see here. So we actually starting to, your power planes and so forth that you would normally have, instead of having everything on a flat plane, you're mm-hmm. putting it on top of it. So your power delivery would be sitting top and that would feed straight into the actual CPU and so forth, or CPU architecture that sits underneath it. So that's what they call by stacking, is you're right. taking parts that would normally, you would normally like thinking of like, let's say, a normal if you look at a map of earth here's the power station there's the houses here's the planet. instead of having that instead of having the power station next to the river or whatever you put the power station on, on top of the houses okay because again now to get the power from the power station to your house is now massively easy because you just let you go from top to bottom and there you go yeah, Oof. yeah. problem solved yeah same right. same problem happens with cpu design you okay. can have all of these massive, massive maps, and you can go big and bigger, big. And the problem is, how do you get power to the middle section of the transistor that needs power? Because they're all transistors. You somehow need to get power in the middle. Mm. And that's the problem with monolithic designs is that's why you had theoretical maxes with monolithic designs. Is You struggle to get power in the middle because the further the power has to go, it's, it's going to start looting. Impedance and basically start losing its amount of effectiveness to get there and give that thing enough power to actually do what the transistor needs to do. Mm-hmm. So that's now when you start stacking stuff where you can say, sweet. And that would break later on. There is other stuff coming to make that even more, more complex. Mm-hmm. Where you can start, we're going to start seeing them, I think IBM has already started to show where they can actually flip the whole transistor vertically. So the transistor will actually sit like this, and the power would actually come in from here and go down instead of having it where it's normally sitting like this and mm-hmm. go through it. Okay. Which means if you've got a transistor sitting like this, you can put more transistors next to one another because they're standing upright and not sitting like this. Fascinating. So now, now you can call that kind of a 3D stacking because you're literally burning the you're burning the image in a in a 3D method instead of just right. having a normal 2D. That's right. I'm not, not a big fan of 3D stacking. You're more like putting stuff on top of one another and layering it like a yes. burger. The chip yes. is already pretty much three-dimensional because you've got all of these channels and things going up and down and through. And so that there's already, because you've got all kinds of different transistors doing different workloads as well. So there's not just one thing because you've got the gate and the transistor, so there's a lot of things, that, and you've got MOSFETs on there as well to do with mm-hmm. power delivery. So all of those things are sitting in one thing. So they all have their own designs. So even when you look at the lithography machine, the lithography machine burns layer by layer up, up, up mm-hmm. through the chip. And that's mm-hmm. how you burn the chip in. And you make the channels, and then you fill it in with either copper or whatever thing you use as a company, it. Intel uses their secret source, TSMC yeah. has their secret source,
0: and there you go. So fascinating. We're so, going to have to leave it. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there because oh, yes, are, yeah. you, you're about to be interrupted by Escom. Yes, I wish <laughs> I had a power with station some, on
1: top of me. <laughs> I, top of I wouldn't have this problem.
0: We could just carry on, but uh, uh, you are about to be uh, about to be cut off there. So we are going to have to leave it there. But uh, it was always our plan anyway to uh, to do uh, AMD over two podcasts, and we might even have yes. to stretch this one over three. You know, uh, there's so much to talk about on on this particular topic. We're going to
1: so many dependencies yeah. that you need to talk to
0: to get the whole picture. That's sure. the problem with these things. Yeah, absolutely. You can um, and talk and talk. We're still going to talk about the history of AMD because there's a lot of fascinating stuff there. In fact, the, the yeah. companies were founded within a year of each other and they're both based in Santa Clara, California. And they've, over the years, they've, they've um, poached engineers from each other. <laughs> backwards Oh, and yes, forwards. no.
1: The, this industry is known, even the foundry businesses. Yeah. You work one, two, five years here, five
0: years there. Yeah. You know, and uh, of course, uh, we're going to look at the acquisition, the fifty billion dollar acquisition that AMD made just recently of Xilinx, yeah. and why you, I believe that is a game changer. Uh, yes. But we're going to we'll get to that in our second yeah, episode. Yeah, that will um, be our round number we
1: uh, We'll talk about that.
0: I certainly hope that you've enjoyed this first episode of Everything PC as much as we have uh, had recording it. Um, We're going to release these podcasts weekly, so please do uh, subscribe on YouTube or or your favorite podcasting app and uh, catch up. As I say, we'll release uh, the the first few episodes through Tech Central's uh, main uh, uh, channels on YouTube and uh, on podcasting platforms as well, so you'll be able to listen to them there. But do get subscribed up if you want to give us any any feedback. You can mail us, uh, your email address, I think it's Gerard P at Computers Only, is that right? Yes, Gerard P at computersonly.co.za, yes. .co.za, or uh, feel yeah. free to uh, mail me on duncan at techcentral.co.za. We'd love to hear your uh, feedback on the show, any input you have, uh, any criticisms you might have, constructive, of course, uh, yes. any, any feedback would be fantastic. Um, and we better sign off before you get cut off, Gerard. Until next time, happy computing. Sweet, guys.